Our speaker tonight is Charlotte Travis. Um, in my walk with the Lord, um, I've observed sort of a spectrum of people in terms of their love and desire for God's Word. And um, on one end of the spectrum, there are people who, for whom God's Word is not so much of a priority, and I've been there, I know that. Um, then there are some people who Bible study is a, a great um, pastime of theirs, but it's more sort of like for the biblical knowledge and like you would study archaeology or the solar system or whatever. But then there are other people on the far end of the spectrum for whom Bible study and God's word is just a passion of their life and it's seen as a means to an end. And the end is to think God's thoughts, to become more like him, to grow in love for Jesus. And Charlotte Travis is one of these people for whom studying God's Word and a love for God's Word just oozes out of her pores. And I love that. I'm attracted to that. I need people like that in my life to spur me on in my, in my walk with the Lord. Charlotte graduated from the University of Alabama, and she taught sixth grade until she had her children. She's going to share a little bit about her family shortly. And um, as she was raising her family, she began to do Bible studies, and she began to write verse-by-verse studies for the ladies that she was teaching. And so she would do a study, and then she would move on and do another one, and she began to realize, well, hey, I've got, you know, books of the Bible that I've, I've written studies for, and people were beginning to share them by email, and someone translated it into Spanish to share with a friend down in South America. And she said that she was challenged by the parable of the um, servants who were given talents, and the, the owner went away and then came back and, and saw and asked to see how those gifts had been and talents had been invested. And she was challenged by that to go down to her basement and take out all these notes and begin to print them and use them as Bible studies to see God's kingdom grow by these Bible studies being used by different women. And I actually, I have several up here on the table so that you can see, because there may be things that you would love to, to pick up and do. Uh, I have Ephesians, First and Second Timothy, and Ezra and Nehemiah, and these are really neat verse-by-verse studies that you can do on your own if you want to like, have some time over Christmas break and wanted to do a special study, as well as the fact that Charlotte teaches here in our women's ministry, and we're so grateful for her. So please give a warm welcome now to Charlotte Travis. Yay. Thank you. I am so excited to be here, and I am so excited about the message um, that I feel like the Lord's laid in my heart for us today. And I, I have to tell you, I love the way God's people think, because when Susan asked me to pray about speaking about gratitude, she didn't say, you know, we're going to be heading into Thanksgiving and nobody throws a feast like you do, or, you know, your thank you notes are the cutest or anything like that. If she said, would you pray about speaking about gratitude? Because I know you've been through something hard. And I love how God's people think, because to the world that would be backwards, you know, ask somebody that's got it going on about gratitude. And when life is hard, ask them maybe about whining or something like that. But um, so I just, I just thank God. Uh, thank you for asking me, and this has been challenging, and um, I've just been excited getting the message pulled together. So um, the first thing I want to tell you is this is not going to be like a little etiquette class, like, now I need y'all to be sweet, and I need you to say thank you, and, you know, sweet little Christian girls always say thank you, but, you know, we do want to say thank you, and we want to be sweet, because, of course, um, we want to have friends, but... Um, <laughs> 
this, this is not something we just need to do. This is something we have to do. And I'll tell you, I kind of got tickled when I was running through it today to kind of do the time. Every time I've gone through this message, I finish, and I mean, it is packed with really good truth. I feel like I've been to spiritual boot camp. So there, there may be a point here where you think, I wish we were cutting out thank you notes, but I think we'll be glad by the end that, that we got through and uh, really learned some things. Um, the title, Genuine Gratitude, Don't Leave Home Without It, it kind of comes off, I don't know, y'all are probably too young, but there were American Express commercials that would... The commercial would tell you why you really desperately would want American Express to be um, with you when you're out and about. So it'd say, American Express, don't leave home without it. So I am telling y'all, as by the time we get to the end of this, I'm trusting the Lord to show us that we do not want to be anywhere or in any way without thankfulness to him. It is huge. It's not just cute. It's not just a nice little side thing. It's everything. So we're going to be looking at that as we go ahead. My hope is to walk through these questions that you had on your table. And the way I want to do it, I want to, for each question, we're going to kind of provide an analogy to help us make a point. And then um, because I am going to kind of weave the trial that we went through into this, um, I'm going to talk a lot about trials, but it's really going to be more as a backdrop to the important point of Thanksgiving. So uh, we're going to kind of do that and then, of course, have scripture with each of those. So I thought I would first introduce my family. And, you know, if if you're going to get the family together and you say, be sure and bring something to wear in case we can get a Christmas card photo, you want to be sure and bring your neon dress. I mean, who who does that? I pulled up the picture. I was like, why did I wear a neon dress? But anyway, this is my sweet husband, Bill, is next to me. And I'm going to introduce the rest of them as we go ahead. But I thought I'd stop here because I realized for time's sake, when I tried to fit in too much of the details of the trial, I ran out of time. So I don't think that's the Lord's purpose tonight. So I will quickly tell you that Bill and I have always just kind of, we were raised in homes that taught us to be financially aware and careful. And so we were never like financial risk takers or anything like that. But so we paid our bills and we always lived below our means and we saved for the kids' college and we were pretty careful. But um, long story short, Bill was one of the owners of a flooring company. So when the housing industry imploded here in Atlanta, Uh, So went his company, and and we were left being owed millions by builders who by no fault of their own were, you know, didn't have the money to pay, and they were going bankrupt. It was was an awful scene, and I'll tell you, we went through some days where it looked like God was going to do a miracle and save the company, and then he wouldn't. And it looked like he was going to do that miracle. Oh, that'll be our testimony, how God came through. That'll be it. And then he didn't. And so I just want to share a little. I wish I could give you more detail because some things that would take people a few weeks or months of yuck to get through, we went through this thing for years. And there were things along the way that were really hard. And um, I know when it's not you losing the company, it's like, oh, I hate that for you. But when it's you losing the company, it's, it can be tough. And we went through some hard things. But God is so faithful because one day I woke up and I realized that um, within the walls of our house, we were still laughing. We were still enjoying each other. And things like this are what usually tear marriages apart. And our God is so gracious that he gave, I'll tell you, he gave me a lot of warnings about how to behave through this thing. And uh, if anything, our marriage grew through it. So I, I thank him for that. Lot to be thankful for, but this is now. This is through the trial. So those are some of the things I want to uh, help us with. So real quick, this is baby Tiffany. She's 28, and she just moved from Scottsdale, Arizona. And I say that because 
uh, three of our kids, they were all a plane trip away. And I would tell people, all three of my kids are a plane trip away. They live in, you know, faraway cities. Well, then Tiffany and Ryan got transferred to London, England. And not long after that, Bethany, my middle one, she went out with a guy who's from Australia. I mean, he's Australian. He lives in Australia. And I said, you know, you've got to get to know and marry him because then I can tell people, my kids on, live on three different continents, you know, so <laughs> that would be cool to say, right? So anyway, this is Tiffany and her sweet, we adore Ryan. I tell, I, I tell him all the time, I could not have handpicked a young man uh, for Tiffany better than you. So we're thankful for him. And she's 28, Bethany's 26. And that child, I think she slept through toddlerhood because she lives in Dallas, Texas, and she has taken that great state by the horns. She just uh, loves to be involved in stuff, and she's got, she goes 90 miles an hour. I'm telling you, she travels. She does. I don't know how she does it. She's, I, I just like to be home. But this is um, Ashley, and she's 23, and she did live in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So she was a plane trip away, but now she lives in uh, Nashville. Just moved there, loves it. So now I, I actually have a baby a car trip away, so that's kind of fun. But I'll be mentioning them a little bit, so it's kind of fun to uh, put a face with the name. These two are our youngest, and Bill and I are suspecting that they may never leave the nest. I, I am just convinced they're not going to be ready for college anytime soon. So um, they are our sweet. And when, when my nest emptied, all my nurturing instincts went into them. So they, I think I've made them neurotic, actually. I, I spend so much time with them. But uh, anyway, that's, that's kind of my little life. So let's dive right in. But the first question I want to look at is, um, why do you think it matters to God if our gratitude is genuine? And the analogy I want to use, when Ashley was a baby, her favorite things, I don't know, are these still real big? The, the cardboard, are they? Okay, cardboard, these hard books. These were Ashley's favorite. So I'm sure I had them memorized at one time. I don't need more. But it would go something like, the, the cow says moo, the sheep says ba, the singing pigs say la, la, la. And then when you get to the end, Ashley, it was kind of interactive. And the last phrase of this book was, it's quiet now, what do you say? And I can't remember. The answer might be good night or something sweet like that. Well, Ashley was real sleepy. She was two or three. And so I get to the end of the book. I'm like, it's quiet now. What do you say? And she said, sorry. And I was like, oh my goodness, that child is not being sincere every time she says sorry. And see, she's the youngest. And so if someone was going to take a crayon to someone's favorite thing, it was going to be Ashley and she was going to have to apologize to one of her sisters. So I realized Ashley was doing a little too much apologizing. It was not genuine anymore. So um, that is our point is that we want our genuine, our Gratitude to God has got to be genuine. And I was thinking, whether something's genuine matters. The, the definition is truly what something is said to be, authentic, sincere. Well, you know, some things matter more than others with that. And I was thinking, if you handed me that piece of chocolate and you said, you know, I got to tell you, there is some chocolate flavoring. You know, it's not completely genuine chocolate. I'm probably going to eat it anyway. I just, it looks good to me. I'm probably going to eat it. But if I'm buying a diamond ring and, I, and I'm paying for a diamond ring, I better know that thing's genuine. Then it's going to matter to me if it's genuine. So we're going to see by the time we're done with this, it's going to matter if our thankfulness and gratitude to God is genuine. It's got to be. Um, another definition while we're doing it, gratitude is simply the quality of being thankful Readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. That's how we want to be toward God. He has done 
great things for us. If we get still and we get in the word and we allow him to let us know what he has done for us, we cannot thank him enough. But if we allow the world and circumstances and our thoughts to go awry, the next thing you know, we start feeling like God owes us something. You know, I mean, we are, we are messed up in our thinking. And so it's really this process. We have got to learn to control our thoughts and pay attention to truth. So um, we'll be using gratitude, thankfulness interchangeably, same thing. So from my testimony, what I wanted to share was, um, you know, we did this, and then I got the phone call from Bill that it was done. It was dead in the water. The doors were closed, and there was no more hope. And I called a couple of friends who had been praying with me, and one rushed over, the other's out and about, so we had her on speakerphone. And before they got there, I felt led that we were supposed to sing songs of praise, hymns. And my friend Dottie showed up. She actually had some printed out. She said, Charlotte, I feel like we're supposed to sing hymns. I was like, we're supposed to sing hymns. That's the Lord. And, um, you know, and I thought how sweet of her. Because, you know, when you're going to grieve with those that are grieving, you have to be sure that was the Lord that told you to do that. Because you, we don't just prance up to people and say, well, let's just praise him. When someone's grieving, I mean, that's, that's hard stuff. So I praise him because I can tell you now, I know that he was getting ready you better know that praise is your weapon. Thankfulness is going to get you through this thing. And if I had really gotten at that time, I would have amped it up. I would have been better at it. So I want y'all to learn from my mistakes. And I'm learning from my mistakes that when things hit hard now, I'm a little quicker to say, God, thank you for what you're going to do with that instead of letting my mind, you know, kind of run the other way. Because, you know, one thing that hit me, and I believe this is a big reason he had me doing this at the time, Anything that happens, God has a plan for it. But you know what? Satan has a plan for it. And Satan, he cannot take my salvation, but he would love to rob me of some faith and get me not believing God in some areas. That's what he's after. He's after your faith. And so God is after strengthening me and and giving me joy and, and showing me how to do this thing so that his kingdom is promoted and he's glorified and I'm made to look more like Jesus. So that's the plan God has. Uh, the verse I used for this one is John 4, 23, and it's the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. We can be so thankful our God is genuine. He's not pretentious. He doesn't pretend. He's not fake. Nothing about him. Everything about him is genuine, and he wants us to be genuine too, and that's what the world needs. The world is desperate for genuine kindness and genuine love and genuine everything about him. So why do you think it matters to God if our gratitude is genuine? And these are, there are so many more things we could say, but one, he is worthy. I mean, the first one's obvious. He's worthy of it. Uh, the second one, this one matters. Gratitude matters. It's got to be genuine. And he's, he's for us. He's showing us how to do this thing in victory. You're his child, for goodness sake. I'm his child. And he wants us to do it well and uh, for everything to go as it should. All right, second question. Why do you think God insists that we come to him with thanksgiving in our hearts. Um, This one has to do more with, if you read the blurb about what the message was going to be about, I had mentioned if you're putting something together and you skip step one or you don't go by the directions, you're going to wish you had not skipped step one. It's not going to look good. And so something is not well put together if you skip step one. And when we skip the step of coming to him with thanksgiving, we are not going to be well put together. That, that's got to be there for everything else. So that's, that's our point, that Thanksgiving, if it isn't there, it's going to affect everything else, and it's not going to go as well as it could have. And I'll tell you this, it also gives a foothold for the enemy, and that's something that we do not want to do. Um, 
Psalm 100 verse 4, and I believe the order of this is important to us. I believe it's instruction from our king. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. So the first thing I want to do when I come to him is check my heart and make sure my thankfulness is is genuine. And if my mind's not right, that he would get my mind right and remind me of all that I have to be thankful for. And then the praise will be genuine. So we want to be sure that we come with thanksgiving. The praise will be genuine. Be thankful to him and bless his name. And the testimony I have is this. I'm telling you, there were days where my thank yous were more, thank you, kind of like Ashley's little, sorry. It was like, thank you. Thank you for this miserable, miserable time we're going through. Thank you. Like, I just, some days I couldn't quite pull it together. And he's so faithful and he's so patient and he's so good. So I felt like the little sweet sheep on the left sometimes. But you know what? Even when I felt like that, the little sweet sheep on the right was who I really was. That's what God was really doing. He was holding me. He was giving me reason to rejoice and have joy. And so what I learned to do was to take my feelings to him. He has not asked us, Charlotte, I need you to do this thing perfectly. He knows I can't. That's why I'm desperate for him. So he's saying, when you're feeling like that, you better come to me. And so I, I learned to bring my feelings to him and say, God, I am so sorry. And I mean, with fear and trembling, I would say to him, I am so sorry, but I feel like you're holding out on me. I'm feeling that way. But one thing I know is that you are not. And I'd come with like a verse as my weapon and, and my, you know, just to keep me steeled up. And this is Psalm 84, 11. It's one of my favorite. doesn't have the word thankfulness in it, but it's one of my favorite thankfulness verses. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And if, you, if you're like me and every now and then you go, oh no, that's only for those that walk uprightly and I know that's not me. That, that is when we remember that it is Christ who paid the price to purchase our righteousness. And once again, we're like, thank you. Are you even kidding me? So everything about him is glorious. And you know, one thing I thought of with um, this kind of tough time, there was a day when Bethany had been off at a, she was at another, um, oh, a youth event. And they were teaching on the parable where Jesus talks about the, the house that's built on the sand. When the storm comes, it's wiped out. But the house built on the rock it can stand the storm. And the rock, he tells us, is his teaching, his ways. It's Jesus believing in him. That's what will have a standing. Well, Bethany got home from it. She, she told me that's what they were teaching on. And then she's, she's so cute. She hates to cry, but she's our crier. Like if someone's going to cry in public, it's going to be Bethany. So she's telling me about it. And she starts choking up. So we couldn't talk about it for long. But she said, when they taught that, I saw that you and daddy were on the rock and you didn't move. And, and it just, I'm telling you, I told the Lord that then I was the sheep on the right. And I was like, if that's all this thing gets us, that is it. If my kids can see that standing on you makes all the difference, done. We're done. That's, it was worth it all. And this is just a quick little, um, I'm going to share some little things that kind of happened along the way that have ch- really changed my life and helped me. One is, um, I wanted the thing to be over. I mean, God gets that. We want the trial to be over, but he wants us to persevere. And I had a sweet friend. It seemed, everyone kept saying, it's like y'all are in a holding pattern. It's like you're in a holding pattern. And I had a sweet friend who's a a flight attendant. And she said, Charlotte, you know what? You never want a plane to land unless it's time. And it's a good time for it to land. So God is keeping you in that holding pattern and he will land you when it's safe. And that, those kind of things really help you. It kind of puts it in perspective, helps you remember... So I sensed him one day say to me, 
stop asking if we're there yet and thank me that I'm along for the ride. And I take that with me all the time. I, I am so thankful that even if I'm in a no fun zone, that he is with me and that is something to rejoice in. So I'm thankful for that, keeps our focus right. And then sometimes I felt like he was saying to me, when did you think this wasn't war? Like you've entered the clash of two kingdoms. My kingdom will prevail, it has prevailed. And you're on that side. But there is a war, and until we're with him uh, in eternity, we're going to be in the clash of two kingdoms, and he's showing us how to do this battle well and and to walk in triumph. Um, The other, I guess I will kind of go ahead and bring this in. I was thinking, little sheep on the left, you know, this doesn't have to do with our trial, but Tiffany, when she was in college, she was a freshman, I remember she called one day and she said, um, I'm going to die alone. I was like, where did that come from? What in the world are you even talking about? And she said, well, when you were a freshman in college, you met daddy, you dated through college, and you got married after college. And I said, that was our story. That is not everyone's story. And that's probably not going to be your story. I mean, what are the chances your story will be my story? And so it kind of set her free, and she enjoyed college and met Ryan several years after college. But I thought sometimes when we think, we will limit ourselves if we start to write our own story. We think we want it to look, maybe I, I want my story to look like Vicky's story well, that, or Susan's story. You know, that's crazy talk. Our story is our story for the glory of our king. And we want him writing our story and we want to wait. We don't want to be the sheep on the left. We want to be the sheep on the right knowing if we're waiting on something, it is worth the wait. You do not want that plane landing uh, earlier than it's supposed to. So um, Psalm 47, one says, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. And I realize how many times I will shout to God with a voice of whining or a voice of complaining or a voice of... And, and I love this verse because it really reels us in. If we're not shouting to him with a voice of triumph, we're off in our thinking. We're believing a lie. Something's wrong. So we've got to uh, remain in that. And then um, I love this one. Psalm 22, 3. But you are wholly enthroned in the praises of Israel. That word enthroned, you can look it up. If you look it up in the Strong's Concordance, that Hebrew word can also be translated sit in ambush. And the reason that excites me is when we praise God, he's in it. And I tell you what, we start praising God, the enemy is going to be ambushed. That's why Satan tries to keep us keep our thanksgiving not genuine. He can work with fake, but if we're genuinely thankful to God and praising him, he knows he's about to be ambushed. He knows he's in trouble. So I'm telling y'all, let's amp up the praise. Let's amp up the thanksgiving because our God is the victor. And I do real quick, I'm going to read you two verses from this because he gives us a physical example in 2 Chronicles 20. It, treat yourself to that one day soon. Second Chronicles 20, read the whole thing. It is so awesome. Uh, Jehoshaphat was a king of Judah, and he happened to be a good one. You never know. Some are good, some are evil. He was a good one. He loved God, and an enemy came up against them, an enemy they could not handle. And let me tell you, there's not an enemy out there that we can handle. Like everything that comes at us, God has to handle. We can't on our own. So um, Jehoshaphat says, oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. I love that verse. And do you know what? God God told them, you sit still. I've got this. And verse 22 says, now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. 
How awesome is that? I'm telling you, I would have praised so much more during that time if I had known then what I have learned now through it. Um, So why do you think God insists that we come to him with thanksgiving in our hearts? Again, he's worthy. And uh, this is war, and praise is a mighty weapon. So thanksgiving will keep us uh, in the victory. All right, our next one, our third question, why do you think... What do you think are underlying causes of unthankfulness? And we could probably spend the whole night uh, coming up with things for that. But I kind of wanted to just nail it here. And I, re- I got to tell you, I, I hesitated to even do a, even a drawing because we don't know exactly what the serpent looked like when he came to Eve. I will tell you this. I looked out the back door a few years ago. We have woods in our backyard I look out the back door, which is a glass door. There is a black snake coiled up on my patio with his head up looking in my back door. And I did not once, not once did it cross my mind to say, did you need something? <laughs> like, is there something you need to tell me? Not once did I feel like approaching him. So we know from Ezekiel 28 that Satan was put together. He was quite something before he rebelled. And so whatever he came to Eve, he looked good. And that is a warning to us today. There are a lot of things out there that look good. They look beautiful. And if they're not of God, stay away. Because Satan, you know, he may not be able to get us to rob a bank today. Maybe. I don't think that's any of our things. But I tell you, he, he's good at deception. And he's good at trying to make something look good when it's something we don't need to be messing with. So he, what did he do? He messed with her mind. He messed with her mind. And he, he made her start doubting what she believed about God and, and wondering, like just throwing questions out there. Like, really? God had given her everything. This woman, she's the only woman that ever lived that had everything and, and had nothing wrong. Only one that ever lived. So I really feel for her because she's the only one that had that and then knew what it was not to. But, um, but I'm telling you, he was messing with her mind and it messed her up. So that's uh, our point is... If we're at war, there's an enemy, and there is an enemy trying to mess with our minds so that we will doubt God, become unthankful. His whole desire is to get us unthankful, and uh, then we are going to be prey for him. So thankfulness really is a protection on our heart, and genuine gratitude is that, uh, that weapon that we need. One thing, anytime I was believing lies of the enemy during this time, I looked like that. And that, that is just, I, and I'll tell you, you know, I never had a day where I just couldn't get out of bed or anything like that. So I'm, I don't think I've ever really maybe battled true depression, but I, I think we've all dabbled in it, for goodness sake. You know, I have days where I'm like, Lord, you know, if this is a spiritual crisis or hormones or, you know, I don't even know. Some days we just feel a certain way and, and um, he is so good. Just keep moving forward in him. Just keep moving forward in him. He's got it covered, but... Um, for me, during this time, the hardest thing was, for whatever reason, um, material things aren't really what float my boat. And, I, you know, tomorrow maybe that will be something I struggle with. But today, material things, if we did, had lost everything, I knew that I would still have Bill and the girls and we could rebuild. I don't mean it would have been fun. I don't mean it would have been okay. I just mean that was not bothering me as much as I knew it was during the time that the Lord had I felt told me to launch this ministry and get these studies out and and it starts messing you it's like God I thought you liked me I thought you wanted me to be doing these things and and Satan will come in with just getting you doubting and confused and wondering and the truth is the Lord 
has got it. He's got it. He's got it covered. And I learned that um, I actually had a ministry come in, a women's ministry, and they told me they wanted to help me get the studies out. And so I thought, oh, thank you, Lord. This is awesome. I'm telling you, Satan so used that thing that I doubted my calling by the time the whole thing was done. It was awful. So I was going through some of that kind of stuff. Well, the Lord just, he was battening down hatches all along the way. And so I see that now that he was nailing some things that I thought were battened down in my faith weren't. So he used the trial to show me some things that needed to be dealt with. So um, thankfully, he immediately had me here in teaching on not, you know, throwing away our confidence, walking with him. He's so good. But I also learned that when you're in the darkest time of your life, your dog can still die. And our sweet Heidi did. And then your, my child had a very scary health scare. Here, I, tell, I told somebody I'd do that. I get so excited I start throwing stuff. But, um, but and then, um, so life continues to happen even when you're in the hardest of time. And you're saying, Lord, you know I'm going through a hard time. But he's going to, anything he's allowing is for our good and for his glory. And he's going to use it. So we can know that at a, ahead of time. And um, I tell you, he just... Uh, I'm I'm gonna wait on this one, I think. But he just, he really did help me to better understand the difference between thank you and thank you. So um, when you're looking like that or feeling like that, uh, go to John 16, 33, because he says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. That's the attitude he wants us to have. So I, I thank him for that. And I remember one time during this, it was kind of a, you know, it was a hard day. And I came around the corner in the kitchen near where the coffee pot was. And I wasn't even thinking about this. And the next thing I know, the words going through my mind, it was patient endurance. And part of me was excited because I, I knew it was, the, I just sensed it was the Lord. And I, I thanked him that he had given me a word because sometimes when you're going through a hard time, he seems more quiet than ever. And that's part of it too. His silence is as magnificent as when he's speaking. He's perfect in how he handles us. So I also knew though there's a, um, let me, th- it's hupomene is a Greek word, hupomene. And it's usually translated endurance or patient endurance. It's a Greek word. uh, So we'll see it in the New Testament. But it means, it's actually a word that means um, it's patient endurance, but with hopeful or even cheerful expectation. So what he's telling me is, yes, this thing's going to go longer than you want. And and by the time it had gone longer, I was thankful he had told me ahead of time. Uh, because he is not a false prophet. He's not going to tell you what you think you want to hear. He's going to tell us what's true and what we need to hear uh, for our good. So um, that stuck with me, that... When, when you're going through something, don't just endure it. Endure it with, allow him to give you that hope, that cheerfulness. He's going to do something huge with it because it's what he does. So uh, what do you think are the underlying causes of unthankfulness for Satan? You know, he's at the bottom of anything that's not good. But believing lies that God is holding out or that we don't necessarily need him, those are dangerous things. So those are things we want to watch out for then how can we remain thankful in trials? This is our fourth question, and I love this analogy. Okay, when Peter, all right, Peter was with the disciples in a boat, and there was a storm. Jesus had been on land, but because he's Jesus to join them, he comes walking on the water. And you'd like to think, I would like to think if I were in a boat in a storm and Jesus comes walking on the water, I'd be like, praise you, thank you that you're here. But in reality, they were flipped out. 
Like they saw someone walking on the water toward them in the storm and they were completely flipped out. So Jesus had to say to them, don't be afraid. Be of good cheer. It's me. So Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. Peter get, And he says, come. Peter gets out of the boat and he's walking on the water with Jesus. Now, I got to tell you, if I said, let's go around the room and everyone share the most exciting thing that's ever happened to you in your life, none of us could top that one. None of us. So here's Peter having the most exciting moment of his life. And what does he do? The scripture tells us that he looked and he saw the storm and he started thinking about the storm. And that's what I realized I was doing through this thing. I would start thinking about the storm. Here I am in a love affair with Jesus Christ And I'm thinking about the storm. Have I lost my mind? So that's what the Lord is wanting to show us here. Our focus matters. And um, what I had written here is our thoughts affect our hearts. And they just do. So the Lord is teaching us, be intentional about your thinking. We have a brain, but we also have a mind. And and we have free will with our mind, what we're going to think. And so he, I'm telling you, and I I don't usually... um, promote books and especially books I haven't finished. I have not finished this one. So if I, I'm going to tell you about it, but if I get to the end and I'm like, I cannot believe I told people to read this, I'm going to call Amber, get every one of your addresses and send you an apology. But it's, uh, it's by Dr. Caroline Leaf and it's called Switch on Your Brain. It has been life-changing for me because God knows I'm very visual and very black and white. And she puts the word of God and how he's telling us to process our thinking, negative thoughts out. lies, take them captive. Truth, truth, truth. Keep truth in our mind. The way we think actually physically, they can see it like on scans. It it affects your brain. It affects your health. It affects your life. So choosing life has very much to do with how we think, what we choose to meditate on. So that's been uh, pretty life-changing for me. And I wanted to just quickly read this to you. This book was so timely for me. And I know some of you may have read it. It's A Thousand Gifts by Ann Voskamp. A lot of people have read it. But this, these two paragraphs, I'm just going to read this, these snippets. Life-changing. God knew I needed it and because he, he knew what my problem was. And he was showing my, my problem, why I was saying thank you. Um, and I, this may be coming up, but I'm going to go ahead and share it now because... Um, I can't remember if I I put it in another part, but I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you so you can learn from my mistake. I actually had a day where I was so down and so tired of it all that I went outside. I was sitting in my little courtyard and a bird landed on a pole very near me. And I love animals. I mean, that's God knows what floats my boat. You know, some people get excited over a new outfit. I get excited when a little bird lands near enough. I can see it. So normally I would be like, thank you, thank you. I remember I knew I was trying to be I was trying to do my thankfulness thing I'd wake up and go thank you for the trees thank you for the day thank you for the birds singing but I had reached that point where I was like thank you for the bird and it hit do you know what my next thought was I'm so embarrassed to tell you this my next thought was and it's going to die (laughs) that little bird may not be tomorrow may not be the next day but that little bird is gonna die that's sick. That is sick. So of course God had a friend give me Ann Voskamp's book, like get her to page whatever this was, because this is what I needed to hear. It just nailed it on the head. This is what Ann wrote. If I'm ruthlessly honest, I may have said yes to God, yes to Christianity, but really I have lived the no. I have. Infected by that Eden mouthful, 
You know, we just saw what, what uh, Satan had Eve bite into, that deception. Infected by that Eden mouthful, the retina of my soul develops macular holes of blackness. From my own beginning, my sister's death tears a hole in the canvas of the world. Losses do that. One life loss can, can infect the whole of a life. Like a rash that wears through our days, our sight becomes peppered with black voids. Now, everywhere we look, we only see all that isn't. That was the word that that jumped out at me. Holes, lack, deficiency. And the Lord is saying, you are just choosing to stare at every little black hole. Everything that isn't has been your focus. When you, if you would look at all that is, are you kidding me? So that has been a game changer, a life changer for me um, to stop looking at the isn'ts. And I love, I just love, I think this is our next, well, not yet, not yet. We'll get there. I have pretty much can throw the uh, note cards away, but this verse, I love this verse, and this is huge. It's in Romans 1, and it's really prophetic to the times I think we're living in now. It's, it's stuff we put up with all along, but it talks about those who exchange truth for a lie. So instead of the truth and standing on the scriptures, they're saying, you know what, though? Let's go this way. Let's say this is okay when God says it's not. And so they've exchanged truth for lies. And he, he tells us uh, where they're going to end up. It says, because... Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. So step one, I don't want to be like them. I want to be sure that I'm glorifying him as God. And I'm very aware that I'm not God and he is God. And then nor were thankful. Do you see that? We've got to be intentional in our thanksgiving. That was the thing that knocked him off into delusion land. So thankfulness is huge. And then, uh, but became futile in their thoughts. And I have a very vivid imagination. And in five seconds, I can be who knows where. And my mind, boy, it can wander. So I have to be very intentional with my thoughts. And the Lord has shown me that. So always be intentional with what you're thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. And goodness knows we don't want to be a part of that. So one thing that the Lord did show me during this, this trial time Um, I did go to work. I went back to work. I thought it might be good for my kids to see that, you know, if life hits hard, you don't always get to keep doing what you wanted to do. And we can do things that aren't fun and all that. And, but I took a a later, an after school program job because I wanted to keep teaching and I knew God wanted me to still write. I had dear precious sisters in Christ that said, you keep writing and we will feed your family. And I mean, they were bringing meals too, which makes me want to cry. That's the body of Christ. That's God saying, it's never been about you, but my mission will continue. You know, it will. And he's so good. And I love being a part of it. And um, I was walking down the halls of the school and I'm sure I was wanting to beat my child's lacrosse game instead of with, you know, other people's kids. So I love those kids and just sweet, sweet time with them. But I, I sense the Lord say to me, I am humbling you. And I saw, you know, a person could say that and it would just hurt my feelings and I'd be so messed up. But when God says something like that, it is the dearest thing. You know, when he speaks to us, he just, it's just good. And I just thanked him. I thanked him that he was humbling me. And I knew Romans 8, there's another one, Romans 8. If you, uh, not Romans 8, Deuteronomy 8, Deuteronomy 8, uh, Romans 8 too, goodness, you may have that, a lot of you probably have that memorized, but uh, go there too, but go to Deuteronomy 8 and read it, I'm telling you, it will preach to you the, the, just the most amazing things where God is saying, he's saying to them then, um, you know, man doesn't just live by bread alone in verse 3, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, but he also says in there, I'm humbling you so it'll go well with you in the end. 
What a precious father, Charlotte. I gotta humble you or it's not gonna go well for you in the end. So I thank him for that. I thank him for everything he was doing during that time and is doing in my life today. He was battening down hatches and he's doing that for us today. He's also training us for things that may not change the side of eternity because sometimes circumstances don't change. You know, we think we're gonna get that victory. He's gonna save the company. That's gonna be our testimony. But sometimes that's not the way it goes. And it'll be better. It'll be better because he has a better plan. So he's preparing us for all of that. Um, This is kind of a side bonus uh, with all that we're talking about because the left kind of show, that's how, you know, our trials, we can picture looking like that. And God is with us and he's faithful. But when life is going just fantastically, that can be a huge trial. And we don't always see it as that. When everything's going good and there's not a single thing going wrong, that is a huge trial because we can forget that we need him. And so in Deuteronomy 6, God said to the children of Israel, when you get there to the promised land and you're living in houses you didn't build and you're enjoying vineyards you didn't even plant, don't forget who got you there. And I, I tell you, I think that I think America, a lot of what we're seeing in our own sweet, precious nation, I love my country, but I'll tell you this, she is off track and she has forgotten who got her here and how she got here and the principles that made her great. She's forgotten and she's doing what the nation of Israel did in the book of Judges that we're going to get to in just a second. But that's when everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Doesn't that just sound beautiful? It is a train wreck. I said, if I ever, if the Lord ever allows me to write a verse by verse study of Judges, the name is going to be a study of the book of Judges, scared straight. Because if you see what it's like when people are doing their own thing and off of God's ways, it is a nightmare. Okay, Philippians 4.8. I'm not going to read the whole verse, but look at this. This is what your father is saying to you. I don't want my kids burdened. He doesn't want you burdened. He's saying, I'll take the isn'ts. Let me handle the dark spots. Let me handle the things that, are, that have been a disappointment to you. Let me take those and you keep your mind on whatever, whatever is true and noble and just and pure and lovely and of good report in any virtue. That means anything of substance, really has substance to it. It's not futile. Um, anything praiseworthy. Meditate on those things. Let's start taking our thoughts captive. He's, he's told us to do it and he's given us the ability to do it. So let's do it. Really take those thoughts captive and remain uh, in joy. So how can we remain thankful in trial? Stay focused like Peter in the storm. Don't look at the storm. Look at the Savior that's helping you through it. Be intentional in our thoughts and thanksgiving. We need to be intentional with it. And then be watchful. And that's, I don't mean that necessarily as much as the focus where we're focusing on the Lord and just enjoying him and staying in the word and walking with him. Be watchful. Be watching for um, what's going on around you. Something coming in, maybe it seems good. Be watchful. Make sure it is good, that kind of thing. Uh, see what might be happening. I'll t- last night, and especially, you know, oh, I'm going to be, you know, I'm in, I'm in my 50s. I'm talking to these gorgeous women in their 20s and 30s. Last thing I wanted was for the bags under my eyes to be even bigger. And so sweet little Tyson had uh, uh, his ear. Well, I could hear him. He was messing with his ear, and I thought, no, not an ear infection. And, you know, when kids have ear infections, you're up all night. Sure enough, Tyson comes and wakes me up. And I get up and I take Tyson to get some drops and get some medicine and we get back in bed. I'm like, Lord. And I thought, okay, I'm going to try to practice what I'm, what I'm preaching here. And I was like, thank you for what you're going to do with this. And I know his will was for us to hear truth tonight, but whether I had bags under my eyes or not was not really the point. You know, that, that may be when I don't get answered. So that's okay. Um, and th- here's where we're going to wrap it up. Uh, how do we develop thankful hearts 
uh, how do we, it's to, by remaining in truth and growing in Christ. And we need each other. We need each other. When I'm having one of those pity party days, I need someone coming in and saying, do you know how much Jesus loves you? Think of the things he's done for you. We need each other. So I wanted to share this real quick. Um, I just finished teaching the book of Ruth, and you can read the book of Ruth on your own, but let me just quickly tell you that Ruth was a Moabite, married a man from Israel, but I mean, they had a lot of death in the family. She ends up back in Israel with her mother-in-law, Naomi. She wants to be faithful to Naomi, and she wants to be faithful to Naomi's God. Well, that precious God arranged for her to get in the field. She's just gleaning to stay alive, get them some food, and it's their a kinsman redeemer, somebody in Israel, it would be your closest relative, was not just allowed to say, it's going to be okay. They were allowed to buy back whatever you had lost. You know, like buy back the flooring company or whatever it is you had lost. They could buy back your land for you. And he did. Anyway, long story short, Ruth goes from just trying to glean and, and have enough to eat to marrying one of the most wealthy, godliest men in the town. She is, she has a baby, not just a baby, but a baby that's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. I mean, her life has been, it's just what Boaz has done for her, this man, is amazing. So can you imagine what the song that we're going to play is my tribute. And it starts with, how can I say thanks for the things you've done for me? Things so undeserved, yet you give to prove your love for me. So I want us to meditate on those things because the truth is, can you imagine You get to the end of the book of Ruth, and you're just like, glory, this is so sweet. I love what happened to this sweet woman. What if Ruth turned around and said, you know, Boaz, you've given me this, this, and this, but you know, I don't have that. We'd want to slap her. I mean, we'd want to just pop Ruth right then, like, Ruth, are you kidding me? How ungracious. But that's what we do to God when we are not thankful, because he's given us everything. So quickly, we'll we'll end with this, and um, just listen to the song, and if you would just This will be our closing, and then we'll be done. And just worship him and allow him to minister to you as we listen. How can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? So undeserved Yet you gave 